You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Director Soap here. Excited to be joined by one of the founding chapter co-directors of NLC South Texas Frontera. Michelle Vallejo is here. We'll catch up with her. It's always fun to chat with people who are starting an NLC chapter. We'll hear about life in South Texas. So thanks for listening. Let's get to it. All right, Michelle. So we saw each other a couple weeks ago, NLC convention in Iowa. What was your reaction to being surrounded by so many NLC people from so many different um, parts of the country? I was really excited and really invigorated to be around so many people who are pushing a progressive agenda and working on the ground in their communities, um, just like we are here in South Texas, Frontera, um, to push the agenda for all the changes that need to happen across the country. And if you had to say that you learned anything from talking with folks who had started chapters fairly recently, what were some of the lessons that you took that you do that you took away from the experience? Uh, so definitely something that uh, perked my ears a bit was um, the reality of a turnover within the board itself. Uh, sometimes when you start a chapter, that doesn't necessarily mean that those founding members are going to be the ones that you see year two, year three, but that's okay. Um, sometimes there are some people in certain chapters that um, have the initiative to get it started, but when um, reality hits, they might just not have the amount of time or focus uh, to champion a new chapter. Um, but also something that I learned was that after the first round or the first fellowship and the first institute, um, you do get to meet more of the people who are the right fit to carry uh, chapters forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then as far as what y'all are trying to build in, in South Texas, and before we get to that even, you know, how would you describe people's usual perceptions of what life is like in South Texas and, and how are they right and how are they wrong um, about that? I, from my experience, I lived in New York City for nine years and the perception was that people in South Texas are just less educated um, and less aware of what's going on in the world. Um, and even just less self-aware of themselves and the situations that we we are in or the circumstances we live in. Um, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, I moved back to South Texas um, officially about two years ago. And um, what I found to be very exciting was that there is um, so much interest and love for the culture and the music and the food and art and creating things on the ground and being very community and family oriented and um, well read <laughs> and well informed about what's going on and um, what's going on in DC and decisions being made also in Austin at the Capitol and um, having strong voices to make demands for the things that we need that we see are unfit and unfair for um, our communities. And I'm always curious when chapters start, where they end up spending a lot of their time in the recruitment part of finding the applicants who will eventually turn into fellows who will start an institute in January. Um, where do you see your group kind of leaning? Are the connections that are already there that people know, the networks that are already established, are they in certain sectors, certain parts of town, certain professions? Like who do you, you see the board gravitating mm -hmm. towards in terms of trying to find folks out? you could persuade to join. Yeah, that's, interesting. that's a good question. Program. So um, I, something that I recognized at, um, 
at nationals was that some chapters are filled with people in like legal professions or people who are very interested in running for office. And it's like a gateway uh, and a pathway towards that. But I don't think um, that's how our chapter is forming necessarily. I think what we're gravitating towards more and the people who are showing more interest are those who are like grassroots activists and organizers on the ground already doing things, but might be working maybe in silos and not have a home base or a hub where they could connect with people who are just as um, passionate as they are about certain issues and initiatives, it's just that they don't really cross paths. So um, that's something that I personally see um, as something that's really exciting for our chapter here is that we have very passionate people who are showing interest that uh, focus on different sectors of activism. So um, those are the kinds of people who we are seeing the most and also like artivists and musicians um, entrepreneurs, which I myself am. And um, we have a little sprinkle here and there of people in the legal profession and people who are interested in running for office. Um, but it's a good mix. It's, it's, I don't think there's one dominant industry yet um, within our group that we've seen. And then how much do you anticipate current events driving people's interest in the program? You know, I think about back to... 2016, in the election in November, you know, the election happened while, or I guess maybe happened right after the NLC application window closed. And then after Trump won, NLC reopened it just because there was this flood of folks who wanted to be involved and were trying to channel some of their anger and some of their progressive energy. And so we actually had the most apps we ever had that that year. And I think it led to some really uh, great folks that we met and some really important programmatic changes. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of, of challenges in the country and certainly tragedies in, in the last week or so in Texas. Do you feel like that's driving people's people's interest or, or how do you, um, in a respectful way, you know, try to channel people's frustrations and anger and sadness into maybe potentially something that could be positive? Uh, I definitely think that um, 2020 is at the top of everyone's minds and the election cycle that we're about to enter or that we're already in. And um like you mentioned, these tragedies that have happened along the border um, most recently are things that are on our minds and are motivating us to come together and to organize. Um, already before NLC made a presence here in our community, which was just back in April of early of this year, um, there were a lot of people already coming together and um, wanting to have dialogues and communicate about their feelings and how to channel um, just all of the emotion and all of even anger and frustration into something positive. So while there does feel to be a lot of hate towards our community, I don't really see hate being the dominant drive for us here on the ground in coming together. So I definitely feel like having NLC as an option um, for our community is a positive. All right. So when we come back, we'll catch up a little bit on life in South Texas with Michelle and hear what she's up to in her non-NLC life. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Yeah. So what's your actual job when people ask you what you do for a living? What's your answer? Um, I say I'm a social entrepreneur. 
So I focus not only on making money, but also on creating a positive impact through all the projects and businesses that I bring into the world. <laughs> and so what, what shape does that take? I know you run a pretty interesting, cool uh, experience for the community. Can you share folks with uh, what that exactly is? Definitely. So I was born into entrepreneurship. Um, both my parents are social entrepreneurs. And one of the biggest projects that they have kind of handed over to me, which I now run and operate with my dad um, as 50-50 partners, which I'm really proud about, is um, a flea market. And here locally, what um, the term for it is a pulga. And it's not just a market, but it's also a cultural experience. So every Thursday for the past 22 years, we've had a party <laughs> pretty much on Thursday morning. And um, I really love that experience that I get to have with my, my vendors and my visitors, but also um, with the elderly. So we have 20 um, what they're called as adult daycares, so places where elderly people will go and have a good time and eat and hang out. Um, well, they take little field trips to the flea market every week. And we get like, um, so it's like close to a thousand or 1500 elderly people from our community to come and dance and have a good time. We have to be careful because we do have a bar and some of them try to sneak people <laughs> in and they're not supposed to. And they get to meet with their friends from other um, adult daycares. And sometimes it gets a little rowdy because they have like boyfriends and girlfriends and oh, wow. they get upset. <laughs> it's fun. It's so much fun. Um, it's definitely one of the projects that I spend most of my time on. Um, but I also work with my dad on other projects. Um, so we have like real estate investment property, both for agricultural use and residential and commercial. And um, I also have a business with my best friend. Um, we've been friends since we were 10 years old. And we have a women's entrepreneurship conference that's headquartered in San Antonio called Hustle and Socialize. And then your social media presence is pretty interesting as well. What's your approach to getting your social entrepreneurship out through that channel? Um, so I definitely use my social media as a way to create a narrative around the work that I do. Um, when I left the Valley, I felt like a lot of people were, amongst my friend group were leaving because they felt like they just had to get out. And my perspective was, I want to get out so that I could um, see what the world is like and learn the tools of other communities. and. Um, go to school. So I attended Columbia University in New York City. And I just went so that I could learn as much as possible so I could bring it back home. Mm -hmm. I always I could recognize um, because I was like in competitive um, events, like academically, um, that the student like my peers from other schools from out of state were at a, operating at a different level and with like different knowledge base. And I felt like it was unfair. And so when I got to Columbia, I wanted to figure out how it was that that was the case. Like, why did I feel so behind when I worked so hard and I tried to take all of the highest level classes and even attended some classes at the local university, but I was still so behind. Um, so I just try to create a narrative that's based on pride and love for our local community here in South Texas and um, represent it in a way to where 
it doesn't really matter if you um, don't get to leave because a lot of people are not allowed to leave South Texas because there is a checkpoint a hundred miles north of us. Mm. And if you don't have all of the right documentation in order, you can't leave this area. And um, so it's just letting people know that there are people of value. There are experiences of value. There are resources. It's just, we need to ask for more. So sometimes I feel like South Texas is like the unwanted stepchild of Texas um, because I feel like we don't get the right kind of funding for our education, like our public school system, um, even when it comes to um, the food, the access we have to food and healthcare. Um, like I said, I have a business in San Antonio and it is very different. The experience is very different. The resources, even the community spaces and parks are very different. Um, and I feel like it has a lot to do with leadership, but also a lot to do with how funding is distributed across the state. Yeah, that makes sense. Wilson, give folks um, the best way to find information on your, your chapter and how to apply or how to get involved. Okay, awesome. So definitely follow us at um, NLC. South Texas Frontera, or no, it's NLC STX Frontera. That's our handle across all channels. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. And actually, a lot of people are finding us on Instagram and reaching out and sharing their emails with us. So anytime there's like a question or a poll, and you're interested in connecting with us, put your, just share your email with us, and we'll get back to you like immediately, if not the next day. Nice. We're, we're excited here in LA to see how things take shape there. Let us know if you need any help and we'll always be an honorary, uh, uh, hopefully Frontera member just based on our connection to Christina and get to hang out there a little bit. It was fun to have the two of you at our dinner at convention. Um, so we hope everything goes well. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Zag and Catch Pass episodes featuring tons of great progressives across the country. There's over 135 episodes now. So a lot. Check them out all the places you get your normal podcasts. So until next time, we will catch you soon. <laughs>